0: Hello and welcome to the third episode of Sea blue Smarts, the video series where we debate hot topics from the world of B2B sales and marketing. My name is Helen Brown, I am co-founder and director of Sea blue Marketing and with me today I have two very special guests, Tim Chapman, author, podcaster and managing director of Sales EQ and Lynn Pickford who is a neuroscience expert and a practicing coach. So, Tim and Lynn, perhaps you'd like to say a few words of introduction to
1: our audience. Oh, well, hello, everyone, and thanks, Helen, for inviting us along. Um, yeah, so I think you did quite a good intro there, uh, but basically, background is 30 years in sales, running sales teams, being a sales guy, Uh I also spent some stints in marketing. Um, now run my own consultancy um, in the sort of coaching space, sales coaching space, um, and also I've done quite a lot of work with universities so I teach on master's programs and undergraduate programs as well. Um, Yorkshire bloke, quite a big Leeds United fan, sorry about that um, but I had to say it. Lynn.
2: Yeah good morning everybody, um, I'm a Lancashire lass so um, a different colour rose than Tim. Uh, yeah b- background is sales, I'm a sales and leadership coach now, I did 15 years in Farm. As an account director, I trained to be a coach in 2008. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a neuroscience expert, but I have a strong interest in neuroleadership. And uh, some of that's formed a lot of the uh, work that I do today. Uh, uh, I was lucky enough um, to be able to practice coaching in Vodafone. So I led the sales capability team um, when we did a sales transformation. And um, then I set up my own consultancy. And then Tim asked me to write a book with him one day which we did. And um, we've never looked back since, Tim, have we?
0: No, we haven't. Mm -hmm. Can't get rid of you now. (laughs) 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 Thank you to both of you and welcome.
2: So yeah, interestingly
0: that you mentioned the name of the book there. So well, the name Coaching Winning Sales Teams. It's that title actually that got me thinking and that got me picking up the phone to Tim because being a marketeer, the first thing of course that I thought of is why coaching sales teams? And what about marketing teams? So quite often, certainly in my career and my background, you hear about people coaching sales teams, but I think less often marketing teams. So when I picked up the phone to Tim, what was quite interesting is that I figured out quite quickly, it's actually not about either sales or marketing specifically, but a whole other perspective. And that's what I really want to delve into today. So if I said the word sports, Tim, what would you say to that in relation to coaching?
1: Um. It's part of the everyday in sports. I think is the first thing that comes to mind. Um, it's about performance and improving performance every day, which I think is <clears throat> parallel to both sales and marketing and any function really. I mean, in some ways, uh, Tony keeps saying we could have, you know, marketed this book as a, a coaching book, which we we could have done. But you know, there's a lot of coaching books out there, and some very good ones. And we wanted to make it really about sales because that's where we come from. And we're passionate about it being better than it is right now. Mm. So I think it's about performance. It's about improving every day. It's about seeking feedback as well. So I think sports people, it's just part of the culture that, you know, you might make a mistake. People don't go, oh, you idiot. You shouldn't have done that, which is perhaps what happens in business sometimes. They mm. say, "Okay, why did you make the mistake? What can we learn from it? How can we get better?" So it's that kind of mindset that attracted us to the parallels. And apart from anything else, I mean, I'm I'm sports mad, so <laughs> I, I just loved the opportunity to talk to people like Stuart Pierce, who was a bit of a my, hero of mine from uh, you know the World Cup in '90 and all of that kind of thing. And yeah. being a big football fan, that that was you know, the link. And it I've done a lot of sports coaching myself, so it, it just seemed a good parallel and that's where we kind of kicked it off really
0: it is odd when you think about it that sports teams even you know kids on a football or rugby or netball court mm-hmm. automatically have a team coach that brings the team together you know you huddle up half time you talk about what you could do better what you could do differently but actually we and we all come from that kind of environment but when we come into the business world we don't actually necessarily remember to do that do we
1: no, and I, well, I, I think the parallel with kids' foot, I'll just chuckling there because I, I don't think the coaches sometimes are always the best ones. But <laughs> <laughs> in my experience, I've been it myself. But yeah. Um, yeah, I agree that I think it's that performance improvement in the everyday that doesn't necessarily translate into the workplace. you probably agree, Lynn, wouldn't you? That, yeah. that was the biggest thing we found was that, that element.
2: Yeah, and in contrast to business, I think in business, we just expect results and we have a lot of... Um, impatience if you like so we want results right now and we tend to hire people who are who have track records. so we're not looking for potential necessarily i know the graduate programs it's different in every business but generally take sales you look for someone who's got a good track record they want you want them to hit the ground running you want them to get the numbers in and you want them to have a, a tight pipeline very quickly and you know that person you'll hear the new person say i've got to get some sales in quickly to, to prove myself and to prove that I'm the right hire for this company. Mm. I think um, there is some of that in sport, but in general in sport it is about taking a, a person and continuous development. And the second thing is that the person in sport seeks and demands coaching. You know, they're in charge of it. If you look at somebody like Andy Murray, he'll swap and change his coach out for where, wherever he is in his in his performance or whatever he's doing. We don't get that in sales or, or marketing or any type mm-hmm. of business, really. It's foisted upon people. And you're lucky if you get it sometimes. You're lucky if you're not, depending mm-hmm. on the coach or your manager. Um, so I think it's just the culture of business and the impatience of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. So what do you think then, in a business that has embraced coaching like wholeheartedly and really has it embedded in their culture, what is it that they... Do differently? Is it the mindset of the leadership
1: team or is it a mindset of everybody? A bit of both,
0: I yeah. think. yeah,
1: yeah. I, I would say, having run coaching programs in some big companies like Vodafone and Rogers in Canada, Roger Communication, it, it really does require top down commitment. So, quite often, sales training and marketing training and stuff is brought in and it's given to the troops and maybe the first line level of manager. And then actually, the ones above don't actually commit to it. They just put it in place because they think it's the right thing to do. And it's great to have that investment. But then they don't actually. We, we see that first line level of saying, well, hang on a minute, I'm not getting coaching from my, my boss. Mm. I'm just, I'm the one who's expected to coach my team. But nobody's giving me any coaching. So mm. I think it's about, in the ones that work really well, it's about peer to peer coaching. So they establish a really good peer to peer coaching level with the first line managers and the the top guys are committed to the the cultural thing creating the culture and that's one of the podcasts we did around just creating culture that's so important isn't it Lynn really to get that right
2: and also if you look at sports teams coaching um is endemic throughout the entire club so it's not just the players like that you could liken the players to the sales team you know the guys who are going to go out and get the results but the coach is very, very important in the sports club. Whereas in a business, we tend to do coaching where they're going to, you're going to get a result, an, you know, an empirical result. Right. So it's like, right, go and get the sales team to be coached and we're going to do it in sales, but we're not going to do it in marketing because, you know, there's no direct result from that. So mm. I think in the businesses where it is successful, like Tim said, it's full alignment from top to bottom, but it's, it's broad across the entire company. So every single department embraces it, not just one specific department.
0: Mm. And what about the difference between coaching and management? Because maybe that's where a lot of people go wrong. It's just if no one tells you, do you really understand the nuances mm. between the two? And therefore, if you are in that management position, how do you be manager one minute and then coach the next? Should you be both or should someone else be the coach?
1: Well, that's a, a really good question. I, mean, I, I, I think some people can be both um some people are actually better coaches than they are managers so you'll get some people are actually more coaching style but are not that great at the management piece so um the upper management may get frustrated with that person because they're not doing the managing operational element they're not keeping on top of the numbers they're just coaching Mm -hmm. but one thing we found was that actually you know again from our experience of doing lots of coaching programs in companies is that sometimes first line managers are just not not coaches, but they're great first-line managers. So it could be the case that you bring in the experts like they do in sport. So you bring in a tackle coach or you bring in a, you know, if you're playing volleyball, a certain coach that helps you with defence or offence or whatever it might be, and that's what they do in sports. So they don't say that the coach or the manager is the – I mean, they set the strategy and the direction and the culture, but they don't necessarily do every bit of the coaching – because uh, Tony certainly doesn't. When we've seen him down on the ground, he, he, he's not doing every bit. He's got the guys for defense. He's got the guys for attack. He has the guys doing the you know rest. He has a rest a judo guy, doesn't he? For yeah, for strength the, conditioning, strength, but... strength conditioning stuff. So it's it's a mixture. So it's not always the the manager.
2: Mm-hmm. I think you need to flip it as well. So I think if we again if we look at sport the sports person wants to seek coaching and they'll get it wherever they can. So in a business sense, um, if your manager doesn't, doesn't like coaching, doesn't necessarily uh, lend themselves to that, then that doesn't mean you're not, you don't have coaching because you can go and find it in other places. And I think it's about flipping it so that the salesperson or the marketing person, whoever it is, decides and chooses to be coached. Mm. And then they have a conversation with the line manager because the line manager is in best position to give that person coaching. They're the closest to that person daily. They see the work, they see the behaviors, they see the mindset, they see the limitations and the strengths of that person. So, in actual fact, they are the prime person to be able to help that. The, you know, the salesperson. So, I think if the salesperson has a conversation with that manager, saying, "I want coaching. Can you help me? And let's make it very specific." then that helps the manager as well. And it gives people permission both ways Mm. to have and receive coaching. Mm. And the second thing is accountability and measurement. So we don't tend to measure coaching in business and we don't tend to hold people to account for coaching. It's just an underground activity and nice to have. Whereas if it's part of your, you know, like your MPS score, you know, that's measured, isn't it? How are your team, you know, how are they feeling? How are they promoting would they recommend the business to somebody else etc we should be able to measure coaching and and hold managers to account for it but it doesn't have to be the manager like tim said it can be anywhere
1: and i think the important point you make there is about you know what we put in the book was about being coached so a lot of coaching books are just written from the perspective of the coach but actually it's a two-way relationship And, you know, in sales and as in marketing, it's as much the responsibility of the person to seek coaching as it is to be coached. So we put a whole chapter in that on how you should really be looking to develop, you know, how you develop yourself, how you open yourself up to coaching, how to select the best coach for you, because again style thing some coach your manager might not work for you and therefore as lynn says you might have to go off and seek somebody who does work for you or challenges you in a different way so
0: Mm. i guess a lot of it does. does it comes back to the culture point because actually like if you're an employee of a business you need to know that it's okay to put your hand up and say i want more i want to be you know the best of the best whatever that looks like whether it's just in your role or whether you're seeking progression up in the organization you you want to know that you're supported and that actually it's expected that people want to grow and so I um don't know if you guys have Blinkist I am loving the Blinkist app at the moment reading lots of short snippets of different books and I'm really fascinated by the whole um area of positive psychology and the growth mindset so Martin Seligman which as I've understood it is exactly what that is which is it's almost when you recruit a team you're looking to recruit people who just don't believe that things are fixed where they are today and and performance or activity will always be as it is that if you are open and you learn and you take on information and you try different things then you Mm -hmm. can actually get better at whatever it is that you're doing Um, Mm and so that it's like incumbent on the organization to make sure that they harness that yeah exactly and it's also
1: a lot more fun i think than Mm. just having a fixed mindset about something yeah
2: Yeah. um they've also got to make it safe for people so corporates can be quite harsh environments as we we three well know from our experience um and it has to be safe to experiment and try new things and to fail you know so someone's got your back covered someone's provided air cover for you to go and try new things because talking about the neuroscience side of it we do have a, a, a trigger system in us that is is fearful if we think we've done something wrong if we think our status is impacted if we think we're not going to be seen in as good a light by doing something so we tend to fall back on tried and tested patterns and habits that have worked for us in the past as we well know with covid this pandemic just because you did something that worked for you two three years ago right now in this new way of working that might not work if you're a relationship person who right. has to sit with somebody has to pick vibes up off somebody, you know, has to do the walk from the car park to the office. As Tim, you were saying the other day, we, we're having that conversation. By the time you have the meeting, you've already, you know, got, got a good um, atmosphere going. That isn't the case now. So um, I think it's really important that you have flexibility and, um, you know can adapt to this new environment do you think you can get to that
0: whole fear of failure thing which is is massive loads of individuals experience that if not everybody at some point in their lives
1: uh, everybody does i think yeah
0: but what is the impact if you let's say you've got a team of just a small team of five people and each person mm. at different times of a year happened to be in that kind of fearful place mm. as a whole team then you're potentially holding back a lot there just simply because you're afraid to fail do you think that does it differ with different sizes of company because the types of businesses that we work across range from you know five person scale-ups all the way through to larger corporates and actually in the scale-up environment you know classically you get a type of person that typically you've everything to gain and not so much to lose because you're you're in early earlier stages of your business's development and and growth whereas in the corporate world depending on the brand that you hold there's a lot potentially a lot greater corporate risk there Mm. what do you guys see
1: well i think in the sales world i think fear of failure is pretty rife um that the first book i did secret code salesperson secret code kind of explored that in quite a lot of detail Um, maybe give you an example you know when you you're running a sales team and you are looking at like close rates and pipeline management and what happens is if people start to fail they get more conservative about what they put in the pipeline because they Mm -hmm. want to increase their win so if you start measuring win rates people will put less in the pipeline because they got a higher chance of winning it if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so you create this kind of mindset that actually results in a pipeline that is a lot smaller because everybody's been hyper-conservative but our win rate went up so that kind of fear of failure or metric driven thing can sometimes create the problem another problem that you Mm. thought you were trying to solve is now being created by creating that fear of failure so i think the manager can create a lot of that in their team so particularly in sales there's a big fear of failure we all carry that because it's sort of in your thing you know i've lost a deal or you know it's not going well and then it just gets in your mindset and you lose that confidence so i think as a a coach your role is to get in there and manage that and change the metrics or you know change the mindset to make sure that Mm -hmm. they can fail but they don't make the same mistake again Mm. That's, the, it's interesting. It's, that's the, you know you can't just say you can fail all the time because that's not really going to result in a high performance it's about you know exploring why you failed but making them feel like they can do it once or twice and yeah. you're not going to bollock them
0: to yeah the that mind- mindset is everything because on, on a simplest level back to the um martin seligman example that i was giving actually they did an experiment on new recruits into a, a company that were in sales roles and if it was looking at those who are optimists and those who are pessimists at that moment in time. And those who are optimists, let's say they dialed somebody 10 times and they haven't got through. The mindset was, uh, oh, I just didn't catch them at the right time. That person was busy. Tell you what, I'll leave it a week and I'll schedule it again I'm sure I'll get through. That's the optimist. The pessimist would start to think, oh, I wonder if they might be ranking my calls. They clearly don't want to speak to me. And gradually that, prospect then just moves further and further to the bottom of the list and actually never gets followed up when it could have been a a quite uh, innocent example of where someone was just busy and and didn't know who was calling and so didn't pick up. Um, So the simplest thing can have a massive impact. And that is absolutely the same, whether it's sales or or marketing, and perhaps even more in marketing these days where it is much more metric driven than it used to be. So quite often we see um, chief revenue officers and sales and marketing having much greater integration of role particularly where you start looking at account-based marketing so marketing working very closely with sales on deals you're looking at pipeline you're looking at win rates close ratios all the same metrics that that you guys would look at if you're in sales management position
1: yeah i think it's just about creating that safety around that and sorry lynn you were going to say something yeah i was
2: going to say again looking back at sale at sports um tony concentrates on mindset as much as anything so He'll let the skill trainers do that side of it. So let someone else take care of the legs if you like. But his big thing, and the big the coaches, nearly every single coach we interviewed, it's all about coaching mindset. We don't re- we rarely get that in business. It's, it's coaching for numbers, it's coaching for skills, closing better, winning better, faster, all those things. Um, but going back to your Martin Zeligman point can you imagine if each and every coach manager whatever you want to call them was speaking to their person about you know what are the fears what are the limitations catching them with the mindset helping them work that through helping them break those patterns and trying new ways of thinking just try it mm. what does it feel like if you if you have tell yourself an optimistic thought rather than that negative thought mm. the simple questions it doesn't it's not rocket science to be fair it can be be quite simple but I don't think we concentrate on that in business, we tend Mm. to concentrate on the more harder metric side of things.
0: Mm. And so just from a slightly different perspective, in this current environment where obviously we're all working from home, everybody's feeling the restrictions of Covid personally but also from a business perspective, is it a good moment in time for people to look internally at their performance and think about coaching? is it the best time because we need to we all need to to perform as, as well as we possibly can given the highly competitive environment and recession
1: 100%. i think well i think yeah i mean i think this is really important time for great coaching um and really you know not not checking up on people when you kind of from a management point of view you know are you there you know can i Can I see that you're doing stuff? Are you online? Are you on the instant messaging when I look at it? Or does that mean you're not doing anything because you're not on it? Or is it checking in to actually see how people are and how their mindset is? So I would say, you know, some of the stuff I've been doing last few months with teams has mainly been around how they are, how they're feeling, um, where's the mindset at, um, motivation, um, getting them to think about ways of breaking the day up, uh Mm -hmm. breaking out of old patterns that they might be doing and like lynn was saying thinking of creative ways to do the same things because you know if you're prospecting from home on zoom using email and all of the others it's it's a slog Mm -hmm. um and we all know that so it's about you know how can you help them make that a little bit different what about this technique what about that how about trying that maybe that'll fail doesn't matter let's let's try that for a bit and just mixing it up a bit and just being there to talk to them and obviously also observing what you can from zoom and the other products about what how you think they are in in themselves you know so Mm -hmm. that, that i think that's really important
2: and also when you think about it people's lives have blended into one now whereas in the past you could have your home life go to work i mean We work from home quite a lot in our past, so we were kind of used to it. But you you go to work and if you're an extrovert type character, you get your energy from others around you. And also you can moan to your mates, you can moan about your boss, you can let off steam, you can get support in all sorts of different nuanced and minute ways during the day. Whereas when you're at home on your own and, you know, you can maybe talk to someone on the phone, but you're not getting that energetic vibe or those neural wi-fi kind of signals from people so it can be very tough um the pca have um player development managers and one of the things they do is they want to make sure that the cricket uh, the cricketers are happy and and have well-being so that when they go on the pitch they can perform really well so i think as tim was saying it's so important now coaching's never been in my opinion more important To coach that whole person, not just the skills, but the whole person. And then on the skill side, that's more important. You can't wing it anymore. You can't just go and have a brew with somebody and Mm. you know have a fireside chat. You have to be asking the right questions, delving underneath that client, what's what's going on, what are their ambitions, what are the challenges. So questioning now and listening is more important than ever. Mm. I think I think I personally think coaching one hundred percent is very very important now but
1: also i think you know take some time as the coach or the manager because i've found it pretty grueling um because you you're on this technology and you are concentrating probably double on people's body language how they are how they're answering whereas if you're in that normal environment that kind of blends in and you're looking at other things and there's other sensory things going on so i think coaches need to think about how to keep themselves fresh. Mm. And think about their own well-being as well so you know if you are out there managing and coaching getting peer groups together seeking new ideas going outside of your own function go and talk to a sports person or go and talk to somebody in sales or wherever Mm -hmm. it might be that you -hmm. see as being a good coach and kind of spend some time with them so make sure you're keeping up your own mental well-being as well because it can be pretty grueling you know trying to support a team and in fact it's quite interesting the other day one of my team actually said how are you Tim you're always asking you know how how are you you know I'm always asking how they are and what's going on for them and one of them actually said well how's it for you right now because I don't think many people ask you that so again if you're being if you're being coached don't forget there's a human on the other end of it and ask them how they're feeling and how's it going for them and all that kind of stuff
0: yeah i think that it's it has to feel natural and like anything it's like if you, if you have a, a mentor or even people that we're friends with or not friends with it, certain people and individuals have a natural you're drawn to a certain somebody aren't you because of just i don't know the energy or something that we, we don't know what it is but you either do or you don't work well together and i guess it's the same for a coach you can't necessarily choose your manager but you can choose it is within your power to choose who coaches you and and how that experience is and what you get out of it so um, yeah it's like horses for courses the catholic expression isn't it and it's the same here (laughs) brilliant so okay what if, if we were to um leave everybody with kind of one thing that they could do let's maybe look at it from if you're a if you're a manager with a team and then if you're an individual within a team, you may also be a manager. What's one thing that you could do uh, differently, like the most important thing, if you wanted to change the pace of how you're operating and your own performance to, to, to adopt that mentality?
1: I, well, I'd say I'd probably start with something quite small, but I would, I, I would suggest focusing on just small improvements every day. So really looking at the team where they are now and how could you move them forward in that day? So make it quite, you know, in the now. Oh. So really think about what's the one little thing you could do today with that person that might move them forward. So that would be my advice.
2: Mine would be awareness, self-awareness. So to be um, to become mindful of how you are working and how you are speaking with people. Because we are creatures of habit and we are creatures of unconsciousness at at work especially so um so i would become very mindful um and in that be very purposeful in how you speak with people so to be um setting up permissions if you like to coach and ask them how how do you want to be coached you know what 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 is it i can do for you what is it you want what where are you going what are your goals um that's what i would say
0: amazing so it's essentially being open and being honest and even though we're having to operate through this technology at the moment for the most part just be human you know we all we all want to have fun whilst we're working we all want to smile and laugh and we want to feel content to kind of basic human needs aren't they so yeah
2: um,
0: yeah okay so what what i've what i've noticed down from that from today's discussion is culture really really important from kind of top down but also a culture is made up of the mindset of all the individuals in an organization so it is kind of incumbent on everybody to look at their mindset and as you say Lynn be mindful of the way that you're operating and what you're doing and Tim to your last point small incremental improvements and actually that reminded me of something else I read on Blinkist uh, which is a book called Everything is Figure outable and so it just says that no matter what challenge you've got, however big and scary or just kind of the thing that you just don't want to do, just take a tiny bit of it and then a little bit more and a bit more and and then eventually you do get there. Um, Yeah,
1: Yeah. defeat defeat procrastination,
0: yeah. Yeah, Yeah. amazing. Well, Tim and Lynn, thank you so much for joining me today. Have a brilliant day. Pleasure. Yeah, we loved it. Thank you, Helen. Cheers, guys. Bye.